Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. We are convinced that the Bible is God's holy word, perfect and without error. Its perfection delivers what is good and beneficial for those who hear it and heed it. It is perfect for it leads us to the perfect one, the Lord Jesus. He is the bread of life. Let us seek him together through God's word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. The Christian faith comes by way of certain facts. Without those facts, there would be no legitimate faith. Believing isn't enough. What matters is what you believe, and what matters is that those matters are not myths, but facts, matters of fact that you can build your life upon. So this is the day that we have established, the church has established, to celebrate the facts behind the Christian faith, that Jesus of Nazareth was crucified under Pontius Pilate, after having been handed over by the spiritual leaders of Jerusalem, that he was buried in the grave of Joseph of Arimathea, and after three days he rose again from the dead on the first day of the week, on a Sunday, just like this. This is why we worship on Sundays. It's a resurrection day. And he then, over a period of 40 days, appeared to his disciples, to men and to women, eating with them, standing before them, sitting with them, touching and being touched by them, talking and walking with them, meeting them indoors and meeting with them out of doors and meeting with them individually and groups so small as only two and groups so large as 500. During this time, he instructed them in the proclamation of the good news of his resurrection and all that he accomplished for men at that cross. And that's what we call the good news. And this is the fact from which or what lies behind our Christian faith. We don't believe this like a man might believe in nirvana or a man might believe in purgatory or a man might believe in 70 virgins or a person might even believe in the power of prayer or in guardian angels. We believe in this as we would believe in any clear established fact of history. This is not a matter of faith for us. This is a matter of fact, and from this fact, our faith arises. You can go through all the different sermons that are preached in the book of Acts by the various apostles. And what they declare is the fact, the eyewitness fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then once having established that fact, they then delve into the impact of that fact in matters of faith and how a person ought to live and the hope that's delivered to them. But it begins with this fact. Now, we have different reasons for believing this. There are different points of evidence that we could give. I would recommend to you that you find a good book on apologetics. Christian apologetics would lay down the reasonable nature of this argument that Christ has indeed risen from the grave, but today we're just going to consider one very briefly, and it will be the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that is mirrored in the stunning impact that this resurrection had on the life of the eyewitnesses of that resurrection. Those individuals who not only witnessed his resurrection, but had been with him prior to that time, witnessing his life and his teaching and the pattern of his conduct among men and who witnessed his death. And yes, who witnessed his resurrection. I'm speaking of his disciples. So just briefly, let's just consider the life of these disciples prior to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what you'll discover is Although there was some growing faith in their lives, their faith was inconclusive. They hadn't reached a clear position. 
Prior to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, these disciples who were witnessing his miracles, they saw him heal the lame and the blind and the deaf and the dumb. They saw him multiply food. They saw the Lord Jesus walk on water. They heard him teach as they'd heard no other man teach before. Probably the most convincing thing that they saw in his life was over a period of three or four years, they lived with him and they could not give an account of one unrighteous thing that he had done. They could not cast one shadow upon his character. He was sinless in their eyes. Now listen, once my wife had said to me when we were dating and we were walking along a pathway, she actually said this, that she could never imagine me angry. She laughs now. I actually remember my words to her. It was, hang around, baby. <laughs> it won't be long, right? I can fool you only so long. And I can only fool you so long as you spend very little time with me, right? And when you're swept up in a state of, uh, you know, puppy love or whatever it is. But after a little while, a little while, and the word here is a little while, you would discover any one of our sins. Spend the day with you. Just drive with you from one town to the next and it'll probably come out. If you get by on that day drive, well then, you know, set up a tent somewhere and spend the night with you. Just camp with you for a little while. We'd figure it out. Go visit you in your home. Go spend a week in your home. I was with my friend last night. He came by to watch a basketball game with me. Comes in the area periodically and he asked me where I like to go and watch the games. And I said, I like to watch sporting events in my own home. I've watched sporting events with members of our church and they always look shocked because I'm screaming at the screen, I'm yelling at the refs, and all of a sudden the bubble has burst, right? <laughs> our pastor is a madman. But these disciples walk with the Lord Jesus, they followed his life, they ate with him, they broke bread with him, they were with him from morning till evening, they left their families to travel with him and study at his feet for three or four years. And during that time, stunningly, they did not see one shadow of sin upon his life. Perfect in every way. He was the righteous man that you dreamt of being when you were a little boy. He was the righteous one you longed to be when you were a little girl. Every little boy and every little girl, I guarantee you, wants to be and grow up to be a good person. But you're not that little boy or little girl anymore, and that dream has been shattered, hasn't it? But that dream that was in you, that longing impulse for righteousness, was perfectly kept and fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ, and they saw it. But in spite of all that, they were inconclusive about who the Lord Jesus was. They would say, who is that man? Who is this person? There is this one moment in Matthew chapter 16, we have it recorded, where Peter comes to a great confession. You might remember, the Lord Jesus asked the question, who do men say that I am? And then he said to them, who do you say that I am? And Peter shouted out, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So you might say, there's the conclusion. He's speaking for all the disciples, and this is what they had concluded. And no, the Lord Jesus says, basically, Peter, this is not your conclusion. This is not something you've come upon by yourself. This is something God has revealed to you in this moment. In fact, I oftentimes picture Peter saying it and imagine him completely shocked by the very words that poured out of his mouth, almost throwing his hands up and 
covering his mouth after he'd said it because it was something that was compelled by the Spirit of God giving testimony to the person of Jesus Christ. Very similar to what happened on Palm Sunday when the Lord Jesus sat upon a donkey. He was led into the city of Jerusalem at the beginning of this Passion Week that led up to his death on the cross that we celebrated this last Friday. And as he was being led into the city that the disciples began to cry out and lift up their voices in praise and all the masses around began to stir up a tumult of praise. They were pulling branches off of palm trees and throwing them before the donkey as the Lord Jesus was entering into the city, fulfilling a prophecy that had been made. And they cried out with loud voices saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord to the king of Israel. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. The religious leaders came along and said to the Lord Jesus, you need to silence these disciples and followers of yours. And the Lord Jesus said, this is not really of their own undertaking. This is not really something that they're doing as a response to their own determinations. If they didn't cry out, this is God's orchestration. If they didn't cry out, the stones would cry out on this day, in this moment. Actually, John chapter 12, verse 16 tells us, John writes to us and tells us that the disciples didn't truly understand the significance of this time and this praise at their triumphal entry until after Christ had been glorified and ascended into heaven. You see that? They didn't even know really what they were doing. <laughs> they didn't really even know entirely what they were saying. God was orchestrating it. No, the fact is, during this period of time, although they saw all these wonderful things that the Lord Jesus did, they still weren't entirely sure of who he was. They thought he would be the Messiah. They thought he would be the one who would reign over Israel. But, you know, he had his opportunities on a number of occasions. And he kept passing them up. And they wondered. Not only did they question him, but they actually questioned themselves. They weren't sure about him and they weren't sure about themselves. So inconclusive were they. Matthew chapter 26, verses 21 and 22 has a very interesting account. There... The Lord Jesus is at the Last Supper. He's having a meal with His disciples. And He tells them that on this very night, one of them is going to betray Him. And what we're told in verse 22 is this. They were exceedingly sorrowful and began every one of them to say to Him, Lord, is it I? Is it me? Now, that verse reveals to us something wonderfully telling about these individuals. It shows us a moment of sheer honesty in their lives. I know how men are. We like to present ourselves as we want people to see us. We like to present ourselves as we'd like to see us. We preen and we posture and we flex and we put on our acts, but underneath the surface, oftentimes, something entirely different is going on. Peter did that kind of posturing moment not long after this, not long after he said this. He said, Lord, you know... Jesus said, you know, you're all going to run away from me. And he said, Lord, if everybody else runs away from you, I'll never run away from you. I'll never deny you. Right? Well, that was a little bit of posturing that was taking place. And, and actually, that posturing that Peter made was actually an attempt to cover up a moment of honesty that had just happened a little bit earlier in the meal. Earlier in the meal, his heart was seized with sorrow along with the other disciples when he was told that one of them would betray the Lord Jesus. And as his heart broke, and as their hearts broke open, in an honest moment, 
a moment of self-doubt, a moment of a lack of certainty about themselves and the Lord Jesus because of their doubts. Peter was among them saying, Lord, will it be me? Is it I? Now that was the honest moment. That was the moment in which there was no posturing. There was a snapshot in time of what you really find at work in the hearts of the disciples. They were insecure in their faith. They were uncertain of the conclusions of the matter. They were uncertain of themselves. Even though they had seen the miracles and had all received all the instruction and they had heard the great teaching and were witnesses of this wonderfully profound and sinless life, they still were plagued with little points of doubt and self-doubt. It seemed in their minds that it was possible that they could wander away from their hope in this one as the Savior. And so they said, Lord, is it me? Lord, is it me? It is important to know the kind of person who bore witness to the person of Jesus Christ. That person was initially filled with doubts. Their witness tells us that something happened that resolved this insecurity and secured them in a self-sacrificing faith. What was it that happened? Well, Christ rose again from the grave, and with it banished all of their deep self-doubts and doubts about himself. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.